With less than two weeks until the Jets open the season in Buffalo, the injury list just keeps on getting longer. Should Jets fans be concerned? Also, Le'Veon Bell is not too happy with the amount of reps he's getting in training camp. Will Bell be the old Bell we saw in Pittsburgh or just be old? Kaz and I also chat with Jets starting left guard Alex Lewis. All that and a whole lot more next on the return of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome in, everybody, to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Jake Brown, alongside my co-host, Jets beat writer for the Post, Brian Costello. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Brian Cos. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. Jets left guard Alex Lewis is going to join us later in the show. But season two of Gangs All Here, Kaz led the way in season one. The longtime Jets beat writer back in the saddle, Kaz. Excited to uh, join you along on this journey, on a bizarre journey that is 2020, to watch this Jets team. And uh, it's it's going to be an intriguing season and another year full of storylines, of course. Yeah, no matter what the Jets do, Jake, they're always interesting. So even if the team is not great, which I don't think they will be, <laughs> they'll be interesting. And it's always fun at this time of year to try to project what you think is going to happen. And you're never right. You know, you, every year you think it's going to go a certain way and different things happen. And that's what's fun about a football season is it's kind of like a book and there's all these different chapters and, you know, we'll let it unfold as it goes and we'll be here to talk about it on the podcast. And you'll see causes. Remember, cause doesn't write the headlines. Someone else does it. So. So everyone, I know, cause you talk about some of the uh, people who come after you for these headlines, and you and you, it's hard for you to explain to everyone to every Twitter user that you don't write them, but indeed you don't. Yeah, the Twitter users are are rough. They 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 go nuts because they generally don't click on the stories and just see the headlines, and that's that's always fun. The worst ones are when it's people with the Jets that I have to deal with, or agents, and they get mad at headlines and, and things like that. And you know, the, the funniest one that I can ever remember was the Jets had RG three in for a tryout. Uh, this was when Fitz was holding out that year, and so they brought RG three in, and they kind of emphasized that you know the source I talked to emphasized like this is just a visit. Like we're not signing them, we're just kicking the tires. Don't make a big deal out of this. So, you know, I wrote a story for the web. I wrote that, like they were just kicking the tires. And the headline, like I get an email when the story's posted with the headline. And the headline was, Jets take first step toward handing keys to the franchise to RG3. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like... Whoa, whoa, like where where did that come from? So I immediately, you know, emailed somebody. I was like, we got to change this headline. So I try to pick my spots with those guys about how often I change the headlines. You know, there was one the other day that that called um, the, there was the Le'Veon Bell Twitter stuff with Gase and the hamstrings and they called it the Twitter nightmare. The Le'Veon Bell Twitter nightmare. I'm like, that's a little strong, but I let it go. The RG3 headlines where you insert the gif from Anchorman of, boy, that escalated quickly, where where <laughs> yeah. Ron Burgundy, a.k.a. Will Farrell, is sipping on a Corona. And speaking of Corona, as we transition, uh, coronavirus has 
taken the world by storm unfortunately here since march and it's weird because that's i think that's when i saw you when we did uh one of the final podcasts of season one of gangs all here and then was when we kind of started uh fist pounding and elbow pounding instead of uh shaking hands and high-fiving because that's when the new world began and here we are uh, what is it? Five, six months later, entering September, there will be no fans at MetLife Stadium. Take us through kind of the protocols you've had to go through as a member of the media and how things are so different for you covering this football team in training camp and how different they will be once the season gets going. Yeah, that that day in March, Jake, was actually, I think it was the day after the NBA stopped playing. I can remember that was when it was starting to become real, like, wow, this is this is really going to happen. Like, sports are going to shut down. We obviously didn't have anything in the spring. And then so training camp has been, we have to fill out a COVID form every morning. Basically, what you do if you've gone to a doctor's office so far and said, like, you know, do you have a cough? Do you have a fever? Have you been out of the country? That kind of stuff. We um, The numbers are limited to who gets, who gets into practice. Normally, there's a lot more media. So it's been a small group of people. We have to wear masks, obviously. You know, you're you're not quite in the same area that you watch practice from. The Jets have three fields. One field we watch from the sideline, but the other two fields were in the end zone. So that's a little different. You know, and then we're not seeing anybody. You know, we're not doing any interviews in person. So everything is on Zoom. We're not going to see any players all season in terms of an interview. So we're either doing it on Zoom or by phone call. When it gets to the games, it's going to be really strange. We did the... um. Jets had a practice at MetLife on Sunday, so it was kind of a test run where we were we were in the press box. It's a limited number of press people in the press box. We're socially distanced, but again, there's going to be you know no interviews after games. So usually you're used to go in the post game locker room. Everything's going to be on Zoom, and I'm I'm curious to see how it works. You know, if a guy um, commits a terrible penalty to lose the game, is he going to be on a Zoom call in 15 minutes? I I have a feeling he's going to try to run out of the building. So it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for PR. What guys are going to be hopping on these Zooms? And, yeah. you know, there's eight road games, but I mean, do you expect to go to them all? Is this going to be a week by week? Uh, you're playing it week by week, your travel plans? Yeah, I think it would be a week by week decision between me and the editors about do we go to, you know, if Miami isn't better, uh, the Jets don't play out of November, but if their COVID numbers are, are still high, do we go there? Los Angeles, there's two trips to Los Angeles this season. So we'll have to play, play it by year and see what the numbers are at the time. And, you know, what the value is of being at the game, I think there's some value to being there in person and seeing things, but there's no value in terms of interviews. I could do the interviews from my house in New Jersey when they're in California, if I had to. Well, I know cause that you are on these zooms. If you're at home pantsless in Seattle, I'm, I'm assuming uh, <laughs> no one knows what you have on below the waist. So, I mean, you could That's be right. in, in your underwear, Brian Costello, follow him on Twitter for all Jets coverage at Brian Cos and read his stories in the post and nypost.com. You know, it is a bizarre year and it's been a bizarre start cause for the Jets. I mean, it is the walking wounded right now. Yeah. Their depth chart, you'll be lucky to name one through four. Even I think you are, might be having trouble with it and you're there every day. So these guys, they really need their names on the back of their jerseys because it's getting to the fifth, sixth, seventh string guys right now. And let's hope this doesn't carry over. But but with the season less than two weeks away, I'd imagine you're a little alarmed by what's happening. Yeah, and especially after last year, Jake. You know, this killed them last year with all the injuries. They they had a record number of players last year that they had to play because of all the injuries they had and all the offensive line combinations, and it really disrupted things.
things. You know, the one thing I'll say is they haven't had any really serious injuries yet. I probably jinxed them by saying that, but they haven't lost anyone for the season or anything like that. But it's just been the number. And at certain positions, wide receiver is just incredible. At the end of practice on Tuesday, they had uh, Jehu Chesson, Josh Malone, and George Campbell were your starting wide receivers. Who? Now, yeah, they, the, <laughs> only the diehard Jets fans know who those guys are. And they only had one other healthy guy out there, Dante Moncrief, who that was his first practice. So he wasn't even ahead of those guys on the depth chart. They keep saying they're hopeful that the rookie Denzel Mims was, is going to come back soon. He's had a hamstring injury. We haven't seen him practice once. He hurt the hamstring right before the uh, padded practices began when we were out there. So, you know, if he comes back at the end of this week, I'm not sure what you expect from early in the season, Jake. This is a guy who they thought – needed reps you know he comes from Baylor not exactly the most complex offense in the world he needs he needs to learn some things so early in the year do they use him just as a go-route guy I, I, I'm not sure and then Brett per- Bashad Perriman has had a knee injury he hasn't practiced in a while they thought it wasn't that serious they expected him back he has not come back yet I would think he'll be back for week one but again I'm not sure what to expect and it's hard for Sam Darnold to develop much chemistry with these guys when they're not on the field so it's going to be I think there's going to be some really big growing pains for the Jets early in the season with the, the all these injuries that they're experiencing, especially at wide receiver right now. We looked at Mims and Perriman being kind of, you know, sort of a one-two punch with Crowder as your slot guy. And yeah. now, now you're not seeing any of these guys out there. It, it is alarming when you have to add a guy like Dante Moncrief. You don't think Moncrief will crack the roster if they're healthy? No, I don't. I mean, I think they'll keep six wide receivers, and none of these injuries I don't think are, are – going to be weeks and weeks and weeks out so i think they'll all make the roster so i if i had to go you know six receivers off the top of my head if i can do it i would say paraman mims crowder crowder who had some tightness in, in his lower leg but it wasn't considered serious i think you know chris hogan is another guy he had some tightness and sat out but He's been pretty good. Uh, Braxton Berrios will be there. He's their punt returner. He'll be worked in. And then the, the guy I liked was Jeff Smith, who here at his shoulder. So I'm not sure with that spot. So, you know, maybe Moncrief holds on. Uh, Josh Malone has been a guy that's gotten a lot of work in training camp. So, I, you know, I think he could he he could be in the mix. You know, and then once Jeff Smith comes back, I think he would be the sixth receiver. But I think Moncrief has a tough road, Jake. He's not going to have that many practices with the team. Yeah, receivers are scary. And you enter the year hoping that you're set with tight end with the combination of Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin, but even that's a concern as Herndon got hurt. You know, do you see that being long-term or you think he'll be ready for week one? It's tough to tell. You know, he had some chest, the Gase called it chest tightness. I would think, think that's probably, you know, pectoral muscle. Uh, you know, when you hear chest tightness, it sounds really bad, but I, I think that was a muscular thing. He went out of practice Tuesday, then he came back in, then he went back out. So, you know, we'll have to see. I, it didn't sound that serious right now, Jake. And if it's just kind of a muscle thing, that's usually not very long. I, I I would I wouldn't think Herndon would be out long injuries and off the field stuff has plagued Chris Herndon early on the guy's yeah. got so much potential and I mean you see it day in and day out when he does practice that he can be one of Sam Darnold's top targets but the guy just cannot stay in the field this has got to be the year for him cause because if Sam Darnold's not going to have these guys in the outside you know a young quarterback third year he's going to look to his two tight ends to really get him yards down the middle when he's getting pressured, get the ball, you know, an eight-yard reception for a first down. He's going to need those two guys. Herndon was good as a rookie. I mean, he was healthy as a rookie. It was just last year. He just had this, you know, he got the four-game suspension. Then he hurt his hamstring while he was suspended training. Uh, then he broke a rib in the one game he played in against the Giants. So last year was kind of a freaky thing. You have to hope that was just – 
you know, one freaky year for him and he'll be back uh, healthy. He's looked good in camp. You know, when he's been healthy, he's been he's been making a lot of plays. And like there's a chemistry there between him and Darnold. You saw that immediately as rookies. And I, I agree with you. I think the, the limitations at wide receiver put a lot of pressure on the guys on the, the middle of the field, like Herndon, Jamison Crowder, Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, Frank Gore out of the backfield. I think there's a lot of pressure on those guys and on Adam Gase to get those guys the ball with what they have outside at receiver right now. I'm telling you, Adam Gase, they have to establish the run game this year. Let's let's move over there into the backfield, cause Le'Veon Bell, obviously, it's, it's not a Le'Veon Bell offseason if there wasn't uh, complaints and, and tweets and Instagram posts and rap albums and mixtapes and all other things going on. What have you seen from him? And was he just in saying, uh, you know, I want more reps and I'm not getting enough reps out there? No, he wasn't just in that, Jake. He's getting most of the reps. Uh, that was very uncharacteristic of Le'Veon to go to Twitter to complain about that. That was a scrimmage a week ago where the trainers took him out because he had some hamstring tightness. And, you know, I saw them stretching his hamstring on the ground. There was something going on. It wasn't Adam Gase. It got pig always gets pinned on Gase. But the trainers tell Gase, hey, this guy's not practicing. The same way they tell them, hey, Chris Herndon has tightness in his chest he's not practicing it's not Gase making that decision the players don't tell him that they have an injury so that that was a little blow up uh he's gotten you know the majority of the carries throughout training camp I'd say it's probably been 60 40 between him and Gore splitting uh you know so uh, you know I don't know where he's coming from with that he hasn't been that impressive in training camp to be honest Jake it's just I haven't seen anything. Now, training camp can sometimes be deceiving, especially with the running game, because they don't tackle to the ground. They just kind of wrap them up. So there's no breaking tackles. And that's part of Le'Veon's game. He breaks tackles. There's, you know, they, they blow the whistle pretty quickly. I will say, uh, and I wrote this for Wednesday's post, is he he's come on in the passing game in the last few days. And I don't know if that, he and Gase had a long sit down after their little Twitter flap last week. And I'm not sure if this is a result of that or what, but Gase seems to be using him a lot more in the passing passing game the last couple days like not just out of the backfield he's splitting them out wide uh throwing them on the sunday's uh practice at met life you can see the jets put the video on their website so you can see it he was split out wide and sam threw a back shoulder pass for a touchdown to him i imagine having six string receivers plays plays a factor and you need him out there you do i mean you're i'm reluctant to say this is what we're gonna see in the season because sometimes what you see in camp is not but it's at least something they're thinking about because they're using him a lot. And that was, I know that was a big complaint last year. of The fans was that they didn't use him enough split out wide. And uh, he had 66 catches last year, but the majority of them were out of the backfield, not split out as a wide receiver. I do think Gase trusts Gore a lot more than he trusts, trusted Ty Montgomery or Bilal Powell last year. So maybe Gore can be in the backfield and Gase can split out and uh, Gase and, and Bell can split out wide and they can do some stuff with that. Soon enough, we might see Adam Gase out on the field playing. Yeah. He's a high school, high school wide receiver. So he might need to, make a comeback lace them up gase um <laughs> do, do you buy into that that relationship isn't good that everyone talks about gase hates levy on bell it's complicated it, it's not that they don't it's not that they hate each other like they, they don't they they get along well and I, I think they talk almost every single day i think they they do like each other and get along that way now the problem is i think you know gate we all know gase did not want to spend that money on Bell back in March of 19 and McCagnan did. And I think Gase really has a hard time with that. I, he, his thing wasn't that he didn't like Bell. He didn't think they should spend that kind of money on a running back when they had so many other holes on the roster. I think he wanted to spend the money on the O-line rather than the running back. That came out when McCagnan was fired. So I think there was some little bit of resentment there. Um, but, you know, these two, for the most part last year, I thought they got along. Le'Veon got ticked off 
a couple times in Jacksonville and Cincinnati. I think he felt like he didn't get the ball enough, but it's not as, it's not as they don't hate each other. Like I, I that, that is not the vibe you get at all. And even like maybe on a few weeks ago was talking about how much he loves playing for him and likes him. So I think the tricky part for Gase, Jake is I don't think Le'Veon Bell is the Le'Veon Bell that is in everyone's mind. You know, like 2015 is five years ago right? He was 23 years old then. He's 28 now. This isn't the same running back that we saw with the Steelers. Like there's a lot, he's got a lot of mileage on him. They, the Steelers gave him the ball a ton. He is between 2013, 2019, he's second in the league in touches behind Shady McCoy. And that's with his sitting out a year. So he's gotten the ball a lot. And uh, I'm just not sure, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong and have a big year, but I'm just not sure he has the same level. Uh, you know, he can play that same level and the pressure's on Gase to play him because everyone thinks Oh, it's Le'Veon Bell. He's one of the best running backs in the league, and I'm just not sure he is anymore. And the fact he's getting paid big bucks also factors into yeah. that as well. I mean, he's obviously the highest paid guy there. Behind him, Kaz, you talked about Gore. He'll, he's going to see his carries. He's going to get his four-yard gains. The guy behind him is the one who's been making a bit of a statement so far on Michael P. Ryan. Do you think he will have uh, any kind of role? Do you see him getting uh, snaps this year? Yeah, I mean, the problem for P. Ryan right now, he hurt his ankle the other day, sprained ankle. Not serious, not a high ankle, so that's good. But I'm not sure you know, how long, you know, if he'll be hundred percent by week one, but I do think he'll have a role, Jake. I think they'll work him in. He's, he's explosive. Like he, he was surprising to me how, uh, how explosive he is. I didn't expect it. Uh, he had a really long run in the scrimmage last week, 79 yards against the starting defense where he hit the hole. Bradley McDougald was there. He juked him and he was gone. And so, uh, you know, I definitely think, I think he's gonna have a big role on special teams. Uh, and then I think he will have a role on offense as well. I, these guys always use, you know, three running backs. Uh, they, they get they get to that. And I, so I think P. Ryan, you'll see him a little bit. I'm excited to see him and see what Gore has left. I mean, this guy, he's just the ageless wonder, 16 yeah. years in the league. And, uh, you know, our guest later in the show, Alex Lewis, will talk about him a little bit. He'll talk about the offensive line as well. But does the offensive line, does it look pretty set on Becton, Lewis, McGovern, uh, Van Roten, and Fant? Yes, yeah, there really hasn't been much rotation. I mean, Van Roten had an oblique problem where he's been kind of in and out the last few days, but uh, I think he'll be ready for week one. And yeah, that's that's the line. And it's hard to get a read on them in training camp, Jake. I wish I could tell you this is what I expect, but training camp is tough to, to really get a read on the line because there's no, you know, there's like I said, there's no tackling. There's no no sacking the quarterback, even though they, they, they we kind of, you know, you call it sacks, but I'm curious to see how they mesh. It's a lot of new people together that they've, they, you know, no preseason games. So the week one, this is going to be the first time they play together for real. They haven't, they've stayed pretty healthy. So they've worked together a lot, which is something Alex Lewis will talk about in the interview. So I think that's good versus last year. They had, they had a lot of issues. So, you know, we'll see how the communication is up front. And this is where Joe Douglas said, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to, protect Sam we'll see how he did yeah and Sam has to take that leap here in year three and you know you're worried about the offense but then you go to the defense side and you're a little bit more uh worried because <laughs> offensively if they're healthy if guys are on the field which right now is a big if and I do think cause that a lot of these guys that layover where you know they weren't playing and they some of these guys probably weren't staying too active and that could play a factor in injury we're seeing it in major league baseball where players are yeah. dropping left and right um, with injuries on the defensive side, cause linebackers and the secondary, I think, uh, is a bit alarming on paper and from what you're seeing. Yeah, it is Jake. I mean, and, and like, 
you, like you said, I think this offseason plays a big role in it because football is a sport. They talk about it like developing calluses. If you keep doing an activity with your hands, you develop those calluses on your hands and then it doesn't hurt anymore. That's kind of what you have to do. And I don't, I think without the spring, they're sort of doing that right now and they're getting a lot of these injuries and stuff. So, you know, the one, the, the cornerback spot. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be interesting because they, they signed Pierre Desir. He hasn't practiced yet with a hamstring injury. They think it sounds like he's going to come back this week, but he's been out. Uh, Bless Austin has been the only guy who's really been out there consistently. I would say he's our top corner right now. Uh, you know, and, this, and Austin did some good things in the second half of last year, but I, I don't think you'd say he's proven. You know, they have a really unproven group. Uh, and then Brian Poole just came back to practice after missing time with dehydration. He, he had an extreme reaction to dehydration, which was a little weird thing, but he missed almost three weeks. He's back now. Uh, and then you have like Nate Hairston is working in there. Arthur Mollette is working. Uh, Quincy Wilson. They're kind of tr- kind of fighting for that other spot. Not household names, Jake. <laughs> so, you know, uh, a lot of pressure on Greg Williams to scheme things up. Uh, you know, last year he did a lot of cover two, which kind of hides your cornerbacks. But the Jets defense wasn't at its best when they were at cover two. They were at its best when they were able to put Jamal Adams at the line of scrimmage, like against the Giants and the Redskins. He did that against the rookie quarterbacks last year. But you can't do that against really good quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, Marcus May, I would see in that Jamal Adams role this year near the line of scrimmage. But um, I'm just not sure how much he's going to be able to be down there because I think they're going to have to have two safeties deep a lot to protect the cornerback. So it's going to be interesting to see how Greg Williams attacks this. Yeah, when you mentioned that Bless Austin could be a number one, I mean, you send your blessings up to the Lord (laughs) above because uh, it's going to get scary against some good receivers. Uh, what's going to happen there? Do you like, have you seen anything from Brad McDougal so far? You know, is he yeah. look like an okay piece? And re, I mean, I think we can agree. We didn't touch on it, but I think the Jets had to do that Jamal Adams deal. I think they got such a good haul getting two first round picks and a safety that might end up starting that it made too much sense. But what do you, what do you see from McDougal? Yeah. You know, I think he, he looks like he, he's an NFL starter, you know, like I, I don't, I think he's fine. He obviously he's not going to be Jamal Adams, but I don't think the Jets are going to ask him to be, I think they're going to ask Marcus May to kind of take on that role. And then McDougal will shift back into the role may had where kind of the deep safety. I'll say this, Jake, I, I don't know about him as a player. He seems like a really good guy, a really good locker room guy. And the Jets obviously like a lot of teams had a lot of social justice discussions last week. And McDougal was at the center of that. And you could tell his passion about it. And he was very well spoken when he spoke, talked to us and expressed his feelings really well and his frustrations. So I think he's going to be a good guy for the locker room. People in Seattle rave about him. He kind of stepped in for Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor there. So this kind of, this, this isn't going to be too big for him. He's not going to be worried about the shadow of Jamal Adams. That's for sure. Do you worry about Adams and missing that voice? I, I mean, Alex Lewis talks about a guy who kind of replaces him leader wise and voice wise, but are you concerned that they don't have that veteran leader and that loud presence on defense? No, I mean, Steve McClendon is a guy who's a leader. I think Marcus May has stepped up to be more of a leader. You know, Jamal was a great leader on the field because of his energy and how hard he played. And that kind of rubbed off on guys. And they might miss that. They might miss the energy on the field. Jamal wasn't this great leader in the locker room, though. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys around the Jets who are okay with not having Jamal Adams around anymore, you know, because he he could be tough to take in the locker room. It was all about Jamal a lot of times in the locker room. Now, that being said, he's a really, really good player. And I, I he was he brought a lot of energy on the field. So I don't know uh, if they'll struggle to replace that. He's a guy, I, I always said, they didn't wear numbers you would know who Jamal Adams was because of the way he played. And I still feel that way. So they're going to miss him, you know, his play, I think more than the leadership angle of it. Yeah. He became very me, 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 me. 
And while there's no Emmy in Jamal Adams, there is in Jamal Lee Adams, which is his middle name. After <laughs> after I did some research there, the old internet machine and the old Wikipedia machine, there is an E in in Lee. So uh, yeah, I I think they uh, they will miss him on the field, but you know I don't think they'll miss him too much. And two first round picks, I mean you can't go wrong with that return. And yeah. I, th- I think he'll be a good fit in Seattle because you know a coach like Pete Carroll isn't going to deal with his you know what he's not going to deal with any BS like that. Pete Carroll's one of the best coaches in the league, shockingly the oldest, which which makes you scratch your head because he has such a young life to him. Um, it yeah. seems like Pete Carroll, he does have the gray hairs coming in. but uh, well, He's the Jets coach 26 years ago, Jake. So How old does that make you feel? <laughs> I wasn't. I was in high school when, when Pete Carroll was here, so oh. <laughs> I wasn't around. That's when you don't, were, don't, don't date me that old. That's, that's when you were going to games as a fan, and you had hair then, right? Yes, I had hair then. That's yes. true. I yeah. also, I also I actually, had hair. I actually yeah. was in a car accident on the way to the fake spike game, Jake. That's right. Didn't you tell that story? On, yeah, I think I did. On yeah. season I, one, yes. You yes, got, you were you were behind bars during the fake spike game. <laughs> Not quite behind bars, but I was at a police station. Yeah, yeah. in a holding cell, maybe. Uh, yeah, trying to see what was happening <laughs> in the game. Um, yeah, the defense is a concern. The front seven, is Avery Williamson not going to be a starter? And if so, can you explain why to me? Because it seems like he should be a shoo-in. Yeah, I can't figure it out, Jake. Uh, you know, he came back. He was on pup list, the physically unable to perform list, because he was still recovering from ACL. You know, the ACL he suffered last year at the beginning of camp, but then he returned. And he was working with second team, and I kind of like, okay, they're just trying to work him in. But he's been playing now for over a week and he's still mostly with the second team, getting a few first-team reps. Blake Cashman has been starting ahead of him. I can't figure it out. I, I don't know if they're just taking their time, and maybe by week one he will be the starter again. You know, he just reworked his contract, so he'll be here. He got guaranteed money now in his contract, took a pay cut. So clearly they told them, like, you're either going to do that, we're going to cut you if you don't do this. That's how that works. You know, no guy's going to take a pay cut unless you threaten his job. So I can't really figure it out, Jake. Uh, it's very confusing to me. I think Avery's a really good player. I mean, two years ago, he was all over the field. This guy had like a ton of tackles. I don't really understand if it's maybe Greg Williams isn't a fan of his. I'm, I'm not positive, uh, but we'll see when this when the season gets here. And two years into C.J. Mosley's five-year, $85 million <laughs> contract, we've seen him for what, one half? We saw him for a couple uh, quarters? Yeah, healthy, healthy, we saw him for three quarters. He is the you know? he is the Jed Lowry of the of the Jets. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable just stealing money. But you get it, guys. Got to opt out. COVID related, pre existing conditions. You can't blame him in this bizarre year for doing so. But it is pretty amazing that two years in and we've barely seen him. And Kaz, that is such a big loss. This defense looks so different without Jamal. Ad- I mean, it doesn't need to be said, but without Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley and Adams off the team, so take him off the board. But without Mosley up the middle as that driving force to defense and a guy who could maybe put some extra pressure on the quarterback. This defense, is, it could give up some points. I mean, Greg Williams, once again, for another year, is going to have to scheme it up with the best of them. Yeah, the Mosley opt-out rocked the organization, Jake. They they didn't see it coming until that week. And then that week I heard, you know, he was asking a lot of questions and they started getting worried. And then he came in that Saturday and said that was it. He was opting out. And you can't you can't blame a guy, right? Like they, we all have different reactions to this. And uh, he's doing what he has to do for his family. But it's tough. Like he's the brain of the defense, you know, and he, he's a really good football player. So they, they're going to miss him greatly. Argument from their side is, hey, they didn't have him last year. You know, and they won seven games without him last year. So, you know, and I do think his absence and Avery's absence last year helped get a lot of guys on the field that wouldn't normally have been there that they can lean on this year, like Neville Hewitt, Blake Cashman, James Burgess, those guys. But there's no doubt. I mean, the Mosley 
departure is going to really, really hurt them this year. And just when you thought we had enough concerns, before we hand it to Alex Lewis, Sam Ficken is going to be the Jets' starting kicker. That has to leave you a little bit alarmed. The hate for the Penn State kicker, Jay. Come on. I'm going to be yeah. dropping a lot of F-bombs, when I, and it's not going to be his name when, it, when, he, when he's missing kicks this season. Here's the thing, Jake. Look around the league at kickers. Other than Tucker in Baltimore, there aren't many guys who you're like, that guy's automatic. They, they all miss. You know, they brought in Brett Maher from Dallas. He wasn't consistent, so they give – so Ficken – I mean, I'm not sure they don't bring somebody in before week – before the week one game against the Bills. If someone shakes free this weekend, maybe they sign someone. But, you know, I think Ficken is a lot like <laughs> NFL kickers. They, there's not many out there that you can count on. And I don't think there's many teams that are happy with their kickers. I'm going to shoot Morton Anderson at text and see if he would like to come out of retirement um, to be the next Jets kicker. There you go. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they still got it in the tank. Coming up next, and folks, we will be coming at you twice a week, all season long, starting week one. We'll have a season preview show, make our predictions, and preview week one against the Bills. That'll come at you on Tuesday after Labor Day. I don't even know if there are any holidays anymore because every day feels like Groundhog Day in this t- bizarre 2020. And then we'll come at you twice a week, post-game shows, the morning after the games, and then preview shows on Thursday. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get podcasts and keep up with the show. But coming up next, it's Jets left guard Alex Lewis right here. And gang's all here from the New York Post. Joining us now is Jets starting left guard. He got here last year, and this is his second year. He got a nice contract right before the pandemic hit in March. It is Alex Lewis. Follow him on Instagram at AlexLewis72, which is where I found, Alex, that you are a big guy with a black cat. Now, is that you? Is that your girl? Are you the crazy cat guy? You got a crazy cat girl? What's going on there? No, I'm just a crazy animal guy. I got two dogs and a cat. Always had a soft spot for the fur babies. No bad luck, I'm hoping, coming along with this black cat this season. No, no, I don't believe in uh, bad luck or good luck. The writer, your own destiny. Alex, uh, it's Brian Costello. Been watching you guys for a few weeks now out of practice. I'm just curious. It's a tough challenge with all these new linemen uh, coming together without a spring OTAs without being together in, in team meetings, you know, everything's virtual right now. How do you feel like the cohesion is between you guys and where are you guys at with about two, you know, about a week and a half to go before the regular season? You know, I think our cohesion is great. We haven't had that time that you usually get with OTAs and being in the meeting rooms and whatnot. But the fortunate thing that we've had this year that I think it's the first time for a lot of us playing on that O line is, you know, the ones that have been the ones throughout all camp, you know, there hasn't been a lot of rotation in there so we've been able to build a great relationship with one another and trusting each other with the amount of time and reps that we've had together alex have you ever felt smaller standing next to makai becton this is a mammoth of a man he's like 370 you're around 300 304 i mean you got to feel the smallest you felt standing next to this big fella yeah he, he, he is a house of a human being but it's, you know that's part of football you know the bigger the better i guess and uh you know the young rooks are doing a great job job and uh smart young man and uh eager to get after guys and i love it alex you kind of got thrust into this offense last year and you know you came pretty early in training camp but still learning a new offense you know in august last year and like you said last year there was a lot of moving parts in training camp a lot different this year 
how much comfortable do you feel this year in year two of the offense? And, uh, you know, how do you think you, your teammates feel year two in Adam Gase's offense? Oh, I, I think uh, we're taking a huge step forward. You know, it's always nice when you get a year under your belt in the system and the scheme. And uh, to be able to build off of how we ended last year is a huge priority for us, you know, come out the game hot. Alex, Kaz uh, was told by Connor McGovern, who's next to you, that the offense can be dangerous when everyone feels healthy. There's no Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he woke up feeling dangerous, but he says the offense can be dangerous. Do you agree that this offense can be something special if everyone's on the field? 100%. I, you know, I feel like we can be a fast-paced, high-scoring offense very easily, and uh, we're working our way towards that every day. Alex, what, um, what difference do you see in Sam this year uh, from last year? Um, you know, the biggest thing I've noticed is this is comfort level back there in the huddle and then uh, behind the ball. Um, you know, he's being able to recognize when he's hot um, a lot better. And, uh, you know, that just helps being in the scheme for another year and understanding the playbook. And I'm excited to see what he can do this year. You're going to be blocking for a pretty strong trio of running backs. And Le'Veon Bell and the rookie LaMichael Pirine has stood out to a lot of people so far and a future Hall of Famer and Frank Gore. What have you uh, learned playing alongside them, blocking for them? How cool has that experience been for you? Oh, it's been awesome playing with that group, especially Frank. You know, he's played this game for 16 seasons now, and to see him come up and fill a hole when a linebacker's blitzing so we're all on the same level, passing it off is great. Le'Veon looks like he's in phenomenal shape this year, and, he, and uh, he's been working his ass off to get out there and uh, coat the rock, and that young rook has made good plays, you know. So if all three of those guys can stay healthy and we get the ball rolling, I think it goes right back to what Gov said, and, you know, we're going to be a very dangerous offense in that backfield. Alex, there was a practice probably about a little over a week ago, early last week. I know the days all blend together, but it was a, a fight-filled practice that day, and you were right in the middle of it <laughs> with, with some of the fights. What, what's it like in training camp when these fights break out? Um, you know, for for those of us who, who aren't allowed to punch our colleagues, although we'd like to sometimes, what, what's it what's it like in these practices when it gets heated in training camp and the fists start flying? And then what's it like after the practice when it's over and you guys kind of see each other in the locker room? Yeah, you know, that's just part of the job, you know. If you're going out and hitting someone every single day and it ends up being the same person for three to four weeks, you're always going to build up that animosity and, that tension between one another because either he got you there or you got him on that play and then finally just popped. But, you know, it's just once whatever happens on the field stays on the field. So you can get in those big fights and brawls and whatnot. But the moment you step in the locker room, he's a teammate again. And, you know, that's how we look at it. And, uh, you know, you watch Dave, you look what you uh, did wrong or what they did wrong, and you move forward. Yeah, Kaz is virtually punching me right now through the screen. <laughs> um, he's, he's trying to throw a few haymakers at me, but I'm not going to let him because we're, we're more than six feet apart. And on that front, the six feet apart – uh, Alex, again, Alex Lewis joining us here on Gangs All Here at the New York Post. Um, what's it been like? The feel of this every COVID and you know just no fans in the stadium this year, and you know the protocols are all different. The locker room's different. Um, has it been hard to adjust to, or has it been everything's normal? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, you're always going to face adversity in uh, life. This is just uh, another adversity and part of our story, part of our chapter in history. 
But, uh, you know, it just brings you back to those youth football days when the only people in the fans were your mom or your pop sitting there <laughs> cheering you on. And so now instead of mom and pop, you just got coach and teammates. And, uh, you know, it's pretty awesome to just be able to play the game you love and uh, not have any of that pressure on you of fans. Do you lose any form of motivation without fans? I mean, you haven't had it yet with the games, but I imagine 80,000 screaming Jets fans kind of ignites you a little bit. Maybe it's different as an offensive lineman, but I have to imagine that's going to take away from some of the excitement and the motivation that you have. Um, I don't. I think it'll take away from some of the excitement, but the motivation is always still going to be there. You know, I love this game. You know, I've grown up watching it, playing it. That motivation is always going to be there. Granted, you know, you're going to be pumped when you score a touchdown and all you hear is uh, music or crowd noise on speakers. I'll be a little different. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to just playing football with my teammates. Alex, one player Jets fans are really interested in in seeing what he does this year is Quinnen Williams. You have a, a front row seat to him every day in practice, seeing what he does, and you faced him last year some too. Uh, what have you seen from Quinnen so far? Uh, he's talked about how he feels a lot slimmer this year and, and more in shape and thinks he can dominate. What have your impressions been of Quinn in this training camp? You know, I think he's had a great camp this year. Um, you know, he's come back. I think he's fully healthy from last year. And, you know, he's really stepped up his game from year one to year two. And you can see that growth in him. So it'll be very interesting to see how he takes that translation and puts it on the field this season. And I'm looking forward to it. With Jamal Adams gone, who's been the vocal leader on this team? Obviously, he was the one yelling a lot on defense. Has someone taken that role from him? Uh, you know, we got Steve McClendon over there, and he, he's a great leader that we have in our locker room. I think he's going on year 11 or 12 now, and I believe he was an undrafted free agent when he came in, and he's grinded his way all the way to the career he has now. And he's kind of stepped up as our leader and our voice of the team, and it's pretty awesome to see. Alex, a, a few months ago, there was an article that was written by someone that it was very critical of, of Coach Gase. And you stepped up on Instagram and kind of defended him. Just curious, you know, there's a lot of, in my opinion, there's a lot of uh, misrepresentation of who Coach Gase is. What have you thought of him in your time here? And what led to you, you know, stepping up there and defending him publicly? You know, I, I think Coach Gase is a great coach. You know, he, he has a great relationship with a lot of players on the team. Um, his, his team is setting us up to win. You know, guys just got to buy in and, when it goes back to defending him, it's, it's team first. You know, I just want to win football games. and We can't do it without him, and he can't do it without us. So I got his back, and he has my back, and that's just how the team mentality is. You know, we're out there, and we're trying to win games together. Alex, you posted recently on Instagram about enough is enough. Stop social justice and police brutality. Um, before a teammate, friend, or family member is a victim, time to take a stand. Have you had serious conversations with your teammates, with coaches, um, obviously some teams and you know have sat out practices and there's been talks of some players who want to sit out of games. We don't know if that's going to happen yet, but have you had some serious conversations with guys about everything going on in our country right now? Oh, absolutely. I know. Uh, you know, as a team, we decided to boycott a practice, you know, and then that whole day we sat and met together as players for a good three hours coming up with a, a plan of action for what we want to see moving forward when it comes to social injustices, feeling, you know, talking to guys, seeing their perspective and just listening, you know, uh, being a white guy, you know, I think it's very important to not just listen, but to hear your teammates and understand where they're coming from and how we can make this world better for everyone involved. 
And, uh, you know, I'm excited for the plane that we got. You know, guys like George Font really stepped up, um, working with PR on all this. And having that leader in our old line room is awesome. Having a guy like Steve step up and talk to the team about it. And, uh, you know, it really hits home. And these are guys you go to war with and battle with and lift with and meet with. You know, and they're considered, at the end of the day, they're teammates, but they're considered family. You know, you're around them more than you are your family in season. You know, it just it hurts you to see your teammates struggling with pain and whatnot, and you want to better that so you can go out there and win football games and make this world a better place. Along those same lines, I talking to guys in the last week after you guys had that, you know, emotional discussions on Thursday, and I think they continued Friday too. It seems like the team has is really bonded. Like this team feels like it's really come together. You know, you guys don't have the the superstar by name on this team that like people are going to say, oh, this guy is definitely going to be Pro Bowl. This guy's going to be All Pro. But it seems like this is a very together team. Uh, do you feel that? Does this feel like a team that that's kind of lock in lockstep together? A hundred percent. I mean, if you were to compare last year to this year, I think our bond's a hundred times stronger. Granted, we may not have that superstar name that you might think, but at the end of the day, this game is a, it's a team game, and it takes all 22 guys on that field to win a game, and all of them working on the same page, making sure they're just doing their job. And I think that we've got the right guys on the team and in, in the building to do that. All right, last one, Alex. I got to know, you signed a three-year $18.6 million contract in March about two weeks into the pandemic, what was your first big purchase? You can't make a, you can't take a trip around the world because uh, travel shut down. But what did you do with uh, that first big paycheck? I ended up buying uh, a little wakeboard boat and started surfing. <laughs> All right. Surfing in the middle of the desert in Arizona. That's how you do it. That is certainly right. socially distanced indeed. That That is permitted <laughs> and is a great purchase. Uh, Alex Lewis, starting left guard for the Jets. Follow him on Instagram at AlexLewis72. Alex, we're looking forward to watching you block for Sam Darnold and the running backs this year. Good luck this season, and we'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, fellas. Have a good one. That wraps up episode 32, the Blair Thomas or Leon Johnson edition of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out and producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here wherever you get your podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review, please. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We will be back on Tuesday as we give out our predictions for the season and preview the Jets' week one matchup against the Bills. Talk to you all Tuesday. Stay safe.